0: All right, welcome to our podcast, Facebook friends. Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Sage. and today we have a great friend, a friend of the Nehemiah Project, one of our advisory board members for 100K Jobs, the founder and CEO of Common Good Capital. Jeff, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, Jeff, um, first of all, you and I were talking the other day, and you said some pretty interesting thing concerning what we're facing right now. And that's really what inspired me to have you on the podcast, to talk about it. So of course, this podcast, our friends are all over the world. And for the first time in modern history, the entire world is facing the same crisis at the same time. When we have meetings with our global leaders, literally from Kenya, to Malaysia, to Paris, to America, to Mexico, everybody is sharing the same thing. Quarantine, economic downturn, uh, no flights, whatever it is, we are all facing this same issue, including stimulus packages. So we're gonna talk about the impact of COVID-19 on impact investing. We get the impact investing, Let's kind of talk about coming with capital. So sure. Jeff, you were a, an executive for a, a great firm, had a good job, had grown a great deal there, making lots of money, but you left that to pursue an, an entrepreneurship pursuit that you're still investing in today. So what would, what caused you, Jeff, to leave a secure position at a reputable firm to become an
1: entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say as I look back, um, so I left probably three to four years ago, um, but there were there were nudgings in my heart much as six six years ago, and then it was really circumstances that presented themselves where it was clear that that God was moving me in a, another direction. Now. At the time I didn't know what that direction was and so it was frankly a very difficult time to get clarity um, and then obviously Patrice you and I met up uh, I guess kind of in that time period um, yeah I guess yeah. Is when we would have met up yeah and so the, the quick story uh, was you know so as Patrice outlined I had been with this firm for nearly 20 years uh, traditional financial services firm you know we did huge real estate deals and just to give you context we'd create funds that were four to $6 billion in size, um, aggregating capital from investors all across the United States. And anything from restaurants to hotels, to golf courses, to y- you name it, nothing inherently wrong or evil with any of it. But what caused me to, uh, to I mean, ultimately, I think what, what caused me to slow down is that a back surgery. And that back surgery um, really marked a, a change in my perspective. And and part of that was, you know, I have back surgery, and, and I could talk for two hours on this. So I'll try to make it high level really quick. Um, but when I woke up from back surgery, I mean, literally, they want you up walking uh, right afterwards. And it was almost if I saw the world in a different light. Um, and I think the reason for that is, Uh, At the moment, I was stripped down to what I thought was as low as I could go. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get water, you know, couldn't pick up a gallon of water uh, to pour. I couldn't, I really couldn't do anything. And, And you look at it now and it's like, well, that's just part of having surgery and recovering. But the way that I internalized it was, I mean, I remember crying to my wife, even just questioning my manhood, which shows you how warped. I had become in performance. But anyways, out of that process, about three or four five weeks later, uh, a friend of mine, and Patrice, you know him quite well in the Orlando area. A, I mean, he had created his own business in the real estate space. But by comparison of where I was at, this was a, a peanut. Um, but I, I watched this video of, of what he is doing and the potential to invest alongside of him. And he was doing affordable housing. And you gotta, again, compare this to where I was at. We're, we're putting these huge funds together, and this is gonna be, a I don't know exact math, but call it a 20, $20 million fund. And so they're buying affordable housing, and I was sitting on my couch, and what, what resonated with me was, not only could I get competitive returns to what I had been looking at and what we had been offering investors, but equally important was to see that the impact that that equity investment would, would bring to life, not only in the residents who live there, but then the collective community, the light bulbs went off and I'm like, wow, being able to invest in things that you care about, being able to impact people's lives. And by the way, investing in general, when you go get, you know, you invest in stuff, it does produce jobs. And so there's a lot of wonderful things. We just don't typically articulate them as very well. But when you hear these residents talk about, oh my gosh, this management company came in, they treat us with dignity. They've given us our community. I'm excited to have people come to my house again. And by the way, they're saying house, It's not even a house, it's an apartment. But the joy that they had got uh, and they'd received from people who care as well as capital that comes alongside of it, that's when the light bulb went off and then I said, you know what, Um, I'm going to go this direction and not only for myself and my wife and family, but the extent that we can help in this broader movement, uh, we'd love to be a part of it.
0: Wow. So that's the quick story. I use your story in my classes around the world. And so for those who are watching from around the world, this is Jeff Schaefer. I often talk about this executive that I had the privilege to come alongside and coach who, the the analogy I often use that you were on this mountain that you had worked hard all your life to get to, you know, uh, with all the accolades, and you realize you were on the wrong mountain. Yep. But the problem is to get to the right mountain, you had to come down all the way down and find the right one and go all the way back up. And the analogy I often use is that it is a lot harder to come down the mountain than to go up the mountain. I often say this with you not in the room, but is that true for you? I mean, you know, it, did, did it, it, it was hard going up for sure, but how difficult was it making a decision to pursue purpose and calling to risk all, you know, how, how difficult was that
1: process? <laughs> It was very difficult, um, because here's the irony. The mountain that I was on, um, first of all, you don't just get there overnight. You build habits and patterns. And frankly, from a worldly perspective, if you saw the mountain I was on, there was a lot of wonderful things. Good stuff. And good stuff. But what I realized in that process was for me, and it doesn't mean that anybody who stayed at that company, it's not the right thing and they're not doing great things. Um, But God, for me, plucked away and said, wait a second, this isn't your mountain. And not only that, Jeff, some of the things that were driving you to succeed in this current mountain actually had become idols. Uh, And I'll point blank, performance, uh, was a huge one for me. So the thought of, and I, and I couldn't have articulated this at the time, but I can now, the thought of not retiring there and going 40 years in my head, there was a failure component. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet if I asked somebody else, you know, i have been there for 20 years and it's like, you've done a great job. So, so it was way harder. And, and just to, to actually flush that out, Um, it took me nine months to a year from when I made the decision to actually leave the company. Wow. And part of that was my own desire. Part of it was the company. Um, but I remember Patrice, when you were in my office at that company and I remember you drawing what you just said and you you were right on. Now the reality is I'm still climbing myself. um, And so who knows where that leads. But if anybody says that it's easy, well, at least in my case, there was nothing easy about it because I had to deal with my own sins. Um, Fortunately, I will tell you, and Patrice knows my wife, I had a wife who was unbelievably supportive. um, And she had actually told me years before, hey, if you come home some point and you've switched jobs, I support you. Um, the hardest thing for me though too was logically, I would have always said, I wanna to jump to something. So I, at the time, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I was jumping to. Although in that nine month period, like I told you, that's where I got, I got clarity. So uh, you, you, you can get through it, but I will tell you, it was way, way harder than I would have ever, ever thought. And as I look back, I mean, it's, it should have been hard but there was a lot of going inside that I needed to work on and change. Wow!
0: As a matter of fact, I think I told you that I didn't believe you that you'd do it, because I've seen men in your position; the risk is too high who do not do it. But then you did. I made mean, that phone call, and I was shocked. As a matter of fact, I think I had to talk to your wife to say, "Okay, is this you know is the is, is the Mrs. aware of this?" And and she, I remember your wife saying to me, "You know what? It's the right thing to do." And she and knowing what was at stake, and you you do have a good wife, so you made that plunge. Yep. So, but then you went into a space called impact investing. Now, for most people, Jeff, they don't know what that means. Right. So, uh, what is impact investing, and how's that different than what you were doing before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, so this is where let's not think in absolute lines and boxes, because that probably doesn't work. Um, but let's think of a continuum. So on one hand, let's have pure investing, which is what most people do. It's, it's about the return. Um, yeah, they're filling a need. But at the end of the day, it's really about at the investor level, I'm doing this because I want my return. On the other side of the spectrum is philanthropy, which says, I wanna make a difference. Uh, I wanna impact people's lives. I'm gonna give money away. Um, and, and, and I'm not worried about the financial return. I'm worried about the social or the spiritual return. And impact investing is somewhere in the middle. And generally, if you break that down, impact um, on one side is investing uh, more from a philanthropic standpoint where you, you're not giving the money away, But you're not trying to make um, what you call market rate returns. So it may be an example where you're helping loan capital to a company and normally it would cost them, I'm making the number up 10%, but you go, hey, I believe in what they're doing. They're having not only um, do I want to be a part of it to see you change lives, but then also from an investment perspective, maybe I'll say I'll do it for 6%. Then on the other side of impact investing, which is really where I spend most of my time, um, is going after market rate type investments that tries to um, equally or or try to balance this idea of return plus social, spiritual, or environmental um, impact as well. The key to that would be it's reporting and measuring the other metrics than just financials. It's one thing to say that you do that. It's another thing to go, "Hey, we do it," you know, in, in affordable housing. Let's let's provide safe, affordable housing, and you actually create metrics of uh, the things that you want to impact, uh, and then and then hold yourself accountable to it.
0: Jeff, not to shed any light on what you did before, because you work for a great company that has made right. a lot of impact in your community. But if somebody knows you and knew what you did before and knew the company, they would say, well, Jeff, isn't that kind of what you guys did there? Because you were a known Christian company, made a lot of, did a lot of things in the community. What's different?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we could probably unpack this in a number of ways. And I wish I had a nice, neat little diagram to explain it. And so maybe I need to think about what that is. But what I would say is, is um, yeah, and, and, and know that none of this is degrading because where I was at, like you just said, but when you even took, so the people there cared, clearly they had a faith, but when you're in the investment decision, when you're in the investment committee, um, you know, board committees, most of the dialogue is around financial metrics. How do you fix that? How do you improve that? Now, clearly they cared about people. But but um, and at the company level, I would say there was more metrics. But from an investing perspective, were we putting out four to six billion dollars, saying, "Oh my gosh, there's huge needs in these areas, and so let's go own those types of real estate, and not only be a landlord, but let's go in and and really uh, measure and think how we can impact people's lives in a much richer way than whatever the type of real estate is, um, and certain real estate." you know, uh, tends, you know, an affordable housing, for example. You can be a landlord, you collect rent, you treat people well. Or you can do the same thing, view them as people, and, and go, I'm willing to invest some dollars, I'm willing to invest time, whether it's in the case of some affordable housing, it's teaching uh, English as English a second language, it's um, discipleship programs, it's teaming up with nonprofits, Because there, what you're doing, you're looking at a broader stakeholder group than just investors. And I will tell you, that trend is not just faith-based. You're seeing it across the globe. Probably the last 15 years, it's even accelerating, where people are saying, let's look at a broader swath of stakeholders than simply investors. And the irony is, is, I believe, and math is showing it, that when you do business the right way, that actually the financial you may not always make more but i think you reduce your risk uh, and so you actually make a better return when you compare it on a risk reward basis
0: you i mean that's deep and i like to get into that some but but that that what you said there was really deep let me let's talk about it a little bit because for the average entrepreneur who's sitting there and hearing you a lot of our entrepreneurs around the globe they're they're convicted to do it god's way integrity and ethics so you're telling them right now that look you may not make more but your risk is reduced this jeff you are a sophisticated investor you've been there done that tell us applicably what does that look like why do you believe that the risk is reduced when they yeah. do take that approach to yeah. uh, looking at business for the common good or more yeah. of a broad approach to profitability
1: yeah yeah, I mean, we could go on for this one, but let's just take today's COVID-19 scenario as an example. Um, I believe, and this we can get into this the details of this later, but I believe the crisis that is at hand, number one, was not created by financial uh, mishandlings of Wall Street. Whereas if you look at the global financial crisis, you look at um, you look at the, the dot-com, it was more of this, oh my gosh, greed, fear, that's what's caused this. No, this is a human crisis that mm-hmm. has occurred. And so I think you're seeing people view this as fundamentally a human crisis. It's now turning into an economic crisis. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's huge because what it's doing is it's shedding light on the fact that capital – When thought of holistically, when thought about from a common good perspective, not just financial return, that um, A, you can accomplish wonderful things, but I think there is A, more meaning, and I think it's a sustainable business. Um, it's It's way more sustainable. So let's look at nonprofits for a second. Love nonprofits, you need nonprofits. One of the challenges that nonprofits are going to have coming out of this is most of their money is or a lot of it is through donations um, and i don 't think that 's going to change, but I do think you're going to start to see even nonprofits go, "I need to think about how I maybe bring in some profit to this um, and it 's not so much even so they make money you know so they can line their pockets it has nothing to do with that it 's to make it sustainable so um, so I just think that the, as, an, as a culture, as a world, we're recognizing that you can't parse out economics and, and all these other facets of life. They all impact each other. Last thing I'll say is on this. So if you look at environment, like you've got a company across the environmental side, the governance side and the social side, you are seeing that, um, one of the risks that you have if you're not thoughtful across all those areas, and I'm probably talking more bigger companies here, governments realize they can't solve all the issues we have. So one potential solution is they just start taxing companies who aren't doing things, quote unquote, the right way. So, so I think there's this shift and, there, and we're at a crisis point where people know that profits alone aren't what's going to sustain us. Um, and, and frankly, if you're creating profits while creating problems, you're probably going to get dinged. So very broad, uh, you know, I don't have a framework to explain that to you, but it, it's almost on one level, it's simply risk mitigation, as going back to the earlier comment. And that's the way some people view impact to go, if nothing else, I'm reducing my risk because I'm doing things holistically. I'm taking a long approach uh, view. I also add the values component and go. If you can add the values to that, that's a home run.
0: Wow! And so, as you know at Nima Project, we we kind of talk about this quadruple bottom line with one of them being spiritual. And for us, it's more than just values; it's about kingdom. Right. You're a kingdom yep. guy, even though. But I love you are in. You've kind of you're in that space out there in the capital markets, but but you're. Your values is really rooted, and so do you. Kind of see yourself as Jeff as a <laughs> as a stealth kind of in that space over there because you are kind of in that broad this broad discussion with good people of goodwill. right? But, but right. somehow when you say values, you're talking about something deeper.
1: Uh, yeah. How does that play out? Yeah. So so if you were to bifurcate the world in this general heading of impact you have uh, at least non-Christian, doesn't mean they don't have a faith, that tends to be more about the environment, about social, about equality, um, and about governance. Then on the faith side, you have a whole other component, which is really integrating the Christian faith in, into this. And I, I just, where I feel called is to be right in the middle. Um, I almost in the terms that we talk about, it's really to be more of a, a missionary than, than ministering to or discipling you know, believers, so to speak. Um, and it's, it is definitely, um, you're on a razor edge, but I, I love it and it's where I'm called, I'm called to be. And actually what I would tell you is, both sides have valuable lessons to share with each other. And I actually don't think they're as far as part as what they can come across. I think sometimes they use some different vernacular. Um, To me, if I had to bridge one word and and maybe I would change this, it's something about stewardship, it's something about sustainability Mm -hmm. and both parties believe in that.
0: With that, let's talk about uh, COVID-19 because you have some interesting perspective. So you understand capital markets, that is your wheelhouse. You look right. at it now from a very, from an impact perspective. If capital markets right. doesn't make an impact for you, it's insignificant. Right. You, so COVID-19, give us kind of the framework. So first of all, you talked about a little bit, let's talk about its impact in the market, plus or minus, how should we be looking at it as folks are looking around the globe. And as you share, please, Jeff, give us maybe a US perspective and maybe give us a little light of the global perspective. What are you seeing? and then we're gonna get into impact.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually gonna broaden the discussion for a second and then, cause I could go so many different ways and so you can rein me in, but, but I think there's two things going on and maybe there's more, but I think you have this COVID-19, um, which everybody's aware of, uh, which I think is important to note that that started out as, a, as, as I said earlier, as a health crisis, um, and now it's come to an economic crisis. Um, so I think that's, that's an important part in this whole discussion. But the other one that most people aren't talking about is oil. Um, and so when you look at oil, and, and I won't get all the, and I'm not an expert in oil, but what's interesting, the oil prices have fallen dramatically, which really started with kind of a, a, a Saudi Arabia and Russia going at each other. And um, that potentially has more impact in the financial world than most recognize. Um, and so like when I see oil yesterday was, I don't know, $8 a barrel, um, like on one hand, it's great because consumers, you know, uh, it costs them less, but in the financial markets it's actually not a healthy thing to go harvest and, to, and to, to deliver all of this oil, lots of leverage is used. So when this leverage was put out, it was not put out thinking that oil would be at eight bucks a barrel. And so if that doesn't recover, you potentially have a number of oil, the oil industry going out of business, which isolated is unfortunate, which, What where, they, where it can impact um, the rest of the economy is a lot of these, these entities that hold these loans could be in very significant, um, Oh, and negatively impacted, and that could potentially affect them all as well. So, when I look at the world, I look at COVID, and I look at at the oil. Um, in the U, I'll just tell you my own feeling, and and I, you know, it's just my own kind of gut. I think that um, I think it'll be a little bit um, harder this is going to hurt the economy and, and forget about the stock market. This is going to hurt real people more than I think people realize. Uh, I think we tend to use the stock market as a barometer and let's just say that the barometer is right. It's looking 12 months out anyways. So I I think it's going to be harder than most people realize um, at the real economy level. Interesting note globally, um, so far globally has held out fairly well. And part of the reason is is a bunch of bunch of these countries were forced to go into lockdown sooner. And part of the reason for that, and um, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but my brother's in Rwanda, and he would tell you firsthand, look, the infrastructure in the hospitals is not set up to to service this. And then because a lot of these places have um, crowded areas, in some places the st- you know, lower income and and even more the slum area, that if it got out of control there could just go rampant. And so, um, so I think that a number of the countries have been from a health crisis have actually been doing way better than than we have. The question is, is economic, a lot of these countries are just not in a position to print capital, like, like the US. And by the way, that's a whole nother discussion is just what is all this printing of, of, capital in the U.S., yeah, we probably need to do it, but what are the long-term implications and how do we think about it? Uh, that's for another, probably somebody smarter than me and another Facebook Live.
0: Wow, so, so with that, the U.S., uh, $2 trillion, um, $355 billion of that to small, medium-sized businesses. Right. Um, which, uh, by the way, Jeff, um, we finally got so this morning as I'm looking at our account I noticed that we've got our the, the, the $10,000 advance that was part of that whole kind of thing yep. you and I have been talking about our challenge yep. there and so so it could be that we are in that that was I didn't get an email nothing I just saw an account this morning uh, I thought it was your $10,000 actually <laughs> 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 that's it. wait the have the intent was going to be and then so I so I looked again and I saw SBA I said, you know, go figure. Right. So, uh, but, 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 but you would agree though that some of this was smart. Unconventional. Right. Yeah, going straight at it. I mean, some of our yeah. small guys complained that they should have gone small guys before the big guys, but that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> But yeah,
1: look, I, I'm not an expert in policy on this, but conceptually, what they did, I think we had to do. And despite that, not everybody got it this first round, you know, maybe it took a little bit longer. When you think about distributing $350 billion um, down to the businesses, uh, it's pretty powerful. The, the, what's interesting, too, is is, and I don't want to get into the politics of this. You know, a lot of people look at that as well. It's just helping the business, and you go. I mean, as a business owner, and I actually got it. Um, yeah, it's helping the business, but it's flowing right through to the employees. Oh yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a great opportunity. It's the best to get. economic impact there is. Yes. Yep. It's it's
0: feeding Going back to your point, is feeding the economic engine.
1: That's right. Now right. with
0: that, with that, nonprofits are included. But right. as you know, not every nonprofit is like Nehemiah with an economic engine. So, right. so what does that do? Of course, nonprofit needs to be helped as well. But let's yeah. talk a bit about this. I mean, you know, is it does it hurt? Does it hurt by lumping nonprofit with for profits in that same bucket, where you've got some of us who pretty much sustain purely by donation, right. got any right. economic engine strategy, and some of us who are not. Yeah. And they, you can't tell the difference. I mean, you know I mean? I mean, yeah. I'm glad they lumped us in, but, but how do you view it from an economic standpoint? Uh,
1: boy, that would, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, and I don't know why they didn't bifurcate them. Um, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, let me just go to a, a higher level concept here. And I think this is true of businesses and I think it's true of nonprofits. Um, of course, the economy was not set up, and these businesses are not set up to just go go dark like this. But I do think whether you're a nonprofit or whether you're a business, I think you're going to start people see people and executives go, "You know what? I probably need to leave a little more margin, a little more slack in how I operate the nonprofit. Um, and I actually think, and again, and I say this at, at, at the risk of sounding harsh um if we learn from this i think we get more resilient and so i'm hoping that uh nonprofits i mean i've talked to several nonprofits who've had some you know key donors that um, still have intentionality to give want to give uh, and frankly they're giving out a sacrifice and so they have had to slow down their giving and i mean i'm on the board of one um and we're having to make some hard decisions and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out um But I I think even how we run this, we got to be a little bit more conservative and and just keep more cushion. Um, Just thinking that the economy is always going to go up, just thinking that that then therefore donors will always increase, um, I think is going to be challenged. I know we'll have discussions, and this has nothing to do with Nehemiah, but we'll have discussions in that board going, should we rethink this a little bit? And I think the short answer is we will. I think we'll, we did did have reserves. but we didn't have reserves. We weren't thinking of it the same way. Um, so I think there'll be some changes to that. But I, my heart goes out to nonprofits. Um, uh, and, and I think you're gonna see the weaker nonprofits, just like you're gonna see the weaker businesses um, potentially go away. But that's not all bad because I think you could see some mergers. I could think, I think you could see, I'm just talking to, a a group here in Orlando who was saying, you know what, this may be a catalyst to get, you know, seven different nonprofits who are similar to actually come together. Um, One last comment, because I think think in uh, these difficult times, ingenuity and innovation springs forth. And so that's a potential example. But I also think, and I'm not, again, not into the political side of this, if you look at what Trump is at least trying to do by engaging public-private um, partnerships, um, I think one of the unique things to watch is how does America respond through innovative processes because of our capital, cap, because of capitalism. Um, if done well, I think you could see some amazing innovations that come out of this. And and into Trump's credit because he's not just trying to solve the issues himself, he's going to the to the market and to uh, these private companies and going, help us be an innovator, let's think about new ways to do stuff. So I think the nonprofit should really should really start thinking about the same things.
0: So this caused a pause in a question for all of us, doesn't it? It does. With that, I, I, I got a number of other questions for you, uh, Jeff. My, my, my time is up, so do you mind, Jeff, coming back i'd like to have you back next week is that okay with you sure because i, I want to talk about impact and and this and how this right. impact that space right. and so forth and i want to talk about uh your journey and in my project uh and how that's impacted you but but also you've become a great champion which i really appreciate i mean i called you this weekend with a look at looking at a potential I, we had we needed the capital i called you and right. And then you kind of supersize it for me in terms of just looking at it, way n- n- looking at it, which, which uh, not only help us short term, but it also gives, if, if I'm faithful with that, it gives me a path for us to be able to increase our ability to deploy capital to entrepreneurs. So, so you've been so helpful to me uh, and I really appreciate it. So I want to talk about all of that, but I want to yeah. save that for, for the next time. Jeff, yeah. there are people listening around the world right now and they're alarmed by what you said in terms it's going to get harder um, hmm. before it gets better. And so we have to be prepared. Uh, what would you say? What would have encouraged would you to say to them that, yes, it's going to get harder. And, and yes, we've got to create some margin. But what would you say to them to kind of encourage them to know that they can get through this and they will get through this? Uh, what, what would you say to them?
1: Well, if I just look back at and by the way, guys, it's probably easier for me to articulate this to you than it is even to articulate it to myself. So I'm, I'm probably in the same boat as everybody else, but if I can bifurcate my world. Um, so I just go back to my 20 some years as an executive coupled with what I'm doing today. And I still have the same fears and concerns that, that you all have. First thing I would say is in, in my case, and I'm assuming this is the case for yours, you all have, feel called to do what you're doing. And so, Whether that calling ends up playing exactly like you think in your brain, I really believe that God will honor that and will um, put you on the right path, even though it may look uh, different. The other thing is, um, I will tell you, and I'll relate it to my business today. I would never have wished this upon anybody, and it's not fun for our business. I'm feeling it just like everybody else is. However, I can see, at least in my business, where I think it can be a catalyst for people to think differently. Um, In my case, it has to do with how people handle their money. Um, But I think there's gonna be examples in every industry of things that the industry has done well, and you keep doing it. And things that you go, you know what? We need to change. So I would use this as an opportunity to, to really think about innovation and to drive creativity and, and, to, and, to, and to, frankly, solve problems um, that maybe have just gone unnoticed. Um, but I was reading, I was actually reading, uh, and so to your credit, I was reading your email, maybe it was yesterday um, or the day before, and, I, and this is how I would sum it up, was, is Godfidence. Um, you know, I, for me, I, I am doing my best to rest, and you all should too, that this is not a surprise. God knew this was happening. God knew that you were gonna put your capital at risk during this window. And I believe he will sustain us. Like I said, whether it ends up exactly how we anticipate, um, that I have no clue. But as long as we continue to stay on our knees and focused on him, I believe he'll guide us. And I actually think the upside can be greater. And part of that's because the need uh, is even greater today than in what it was two months ago. So wow. anyway, those are, my, those are my thoughts for you.
0: Well said. Jeff, how do they get in touch with you if they want to know more about Common Good Capital?
1: Yeah, so we have a website, commongoodcap, which is cap.com. Um, or feel free to reach me and I'll give you my email. It's Jeff at jeffatcommongoodcapcap.com. And um, look, one of these days... Uh, what we would love to be able to do is to bring entrepreneurs like yourself capital, uh, connecting. And I'm, this is not taking away from any that Nehemiah is doing because you'd want to figure out how to do this together. But how do we they need bring as much more capital? There needs to be more capital solution as possible. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And yeah. I just, would, I just would encourage you. The uh, and Patrice and I have been talking about this. The concept of how much is a job worth. I can only speak from a U.S. context. I think we kind of lose how valuable that is. But I think this is reuniting us with that concept. And so there is going to be a renewed look at businesses, at at leaders within businesses to help us rebound and who better prepared than those who view this from a biblical perspective. And so I uh, long to see Nehemiah uh, Project and all of you entrepreneurs lead in that effort. And Because I, I think there's just a huge opportunity right now to shine in, in difficult times.
0: Wow, Jeff, thank you so much. We're gonna continue this dialogue with Jeff next week because I, w- I really wanna get more into that and, and really talk about getting more into the whole idea of impact investing what that what that means now in this new covid 19 era jeff got a lot to say about that and uh jeff you've been a friend and uh and you've been a champ by the way jeff you bees know this what i mean by this jeff is still in startup Mm -hmm. so he came from that ivory towel and he went to the bottom Mm -hmm. he's still in that first day he's a stop just like some of you guys and he's burning capital so when you talk about things being hard he, oh. he himself is in that lane of hard because he's burning capital. And so I'm sure his prayer is that it needs not be too hard because, <laughs> because uh, you don't have infinite capital to burn. Nope.
1: nope. <laughs> but Jeff. I will tell you, that's part of the process is, uh, for me has been learning to walk in faith. That's and right. while I wish I had clarity of the next 12 months, what I try to do is, is just be faithful today. Some days I do it well, other days I don't.
0: Wow, amen, amen. Well, I hope you've been blessed. Hey, if you love what you've heard and you're inspired by it and you want us to come alongside you and, um, and work with you through training, coaching, and even access to capital, we would love for you to be about our community. Let's work together to transform the world so that we can have more people who are, as Jeff is doing, impacting communities for the gospel's sake through business. So here's my prayer for you today. May the Lord bless you. And may you live your life in such a way that one day you hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. He'll make you rule over much. God bless. Jeff, thank you again. All right, thank you. Bye-bye.